It is uh, my privilege to to really kick off our our Love is Why We're Here series. And Love is Why We're Here is a a slogan we've been using as a church uh, for a while now, a little over six months. And we've been saying that ultimately it all starts with us understanding and comprehending and embracing God's love for us. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning because when we finally grasp hold of God's love for us, it changes us and it fills us. And it gives us the ability to to then go forth and share that love with the world. And that's something that from the very beginning of Advent has been our DNA and our culture, right? To share the love of Christ with the world. And so when we talk about God's love and his incredible love for us, the first thing I want to talk about is how God's love is personal. Sometimes, maybe if you're like me, when you think about God's love, you think about it in the, in the generic sense, like God loves the world. Right? And that's nice and that's good, but you, you say God, God just, God loves the world. And it doesn't necessarily feel personal. And the reality is, God's love is not generic like that. It's very personal. Let me, let me explain the difference, um, in, in this way. I might say to you, as your pastor, I might say, Advent, I love you. And that's nice, and you probably think, well, what's the big deal? You're the pastor. You're, like, required to love us, right? And that's kind of true, right? That's that's sort of an important part of the job. But it's entirely different. It's entirely different if I say, I'm looking for someone, and I can't see him. Where's Gary Jensen? Oh, there he is. If I say, hey, Gary, don't look down. Gary, I love you. You know, I mean, you're annoying sometimes, but I love you, buddy. I really do. I love your heart. I love your hard work for the men's retreat and for getting blood out of us and all the good stuff you do. I really do. I really love you, Gary. Right? That's different. That's entirely different than me saying, I love you guys. That might be okay. That's, that's warm and fuzzy. But to, to, to be personal, that's a whole nother thing. It's a whole different level. And the reality is God's love for us is not generic. It's personal. I want you to take a moment, if you will, and open your bulletin. In your bulletin today, you got an insert. If you didn't get a bulletin, look at your neighbor's bulletin. Right? And in there, there are 40 verses. I didn't actually count them. I'm I'm estimating. There's approximately 40 verses there about God's personal Love for you. And so I want you just to look at those for just a moment. Look at those, and instead of thinking of God's love in a general sense, realize that that's personal about you. You could read into those verses your own name. And that's how God feels about us. It's very, very personal. The second thing I think it's important for us to understand about God's love, and you can go back and keep that and read those later, but is that God's love for us is unconditional. It's completely unconditional. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. It is perfectly unconditional. It's not dependent upon our behavior at all. Mother Teresa says this about God's love. He says it's an intense love. And she says, God's intense love for us is not measured. In other words, it's not calculated. God doesn't give us X amount of love because we're this good. God simply pours his love out to us. Period. 
not at all affected by us earning it in any way. It's unconditional, it's given. You may remember the Bible story of Zacchaeus, right? You all remember that, the wee little man? And the wee little man was he, he climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord. He Anyone else go to Sunday school? All right. And, and so Zacchaeus, he's this tax collector, right? And no one likes him. In fact, everyone hates him. He, he steals money from people, literally. And they're all upset. And, but Zacchaeus is curious about this Jesus guy. And so he goes and he climbs up in this tree because he's short. Haha, <laughs> it's funny, right? That's probably why they wrote it down, to make fun of him a little bit, right? And then he climbs up in the tree to see Jesus. And sure enough, Jesus walks by and Zacchaeus is the last person they would have expected for Jesus to call out. Because he's a rotten sinner. But Jesus points out to him and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house today. That's scandalous. It might not sound scandalous to us because we grew up knowing the story, but to their culture, that is scandalous. That's reckless love. That's love that makes no sense at all. But God pours that kind of love out to us, even though we don't deserve it. It's completely unconditional. I'm going to show a video clip, and I don't know if there's any children in here. It, it, it's, a, it's a more mature subject matter. Um, it's probably okay for them, but parents, use your own discretion. If you want to exit for two minutes, I will not be offended. Gary, if you want to leave for two minutes, that's fine. But we've got a quick little video clip here I wanted to show you guys. When I was when I was four and my sister was eight, my parents got divorced and um, my mom really kind of started partying a lot at that time. So I was exposed to a lot of really inappropriate things as a child. I was still really involved in school. I was in dancing and cheerleading and student council and homecoming candidate, like all those outwardly fun things. But inside, um, I was really sad. I was very isolated and alone. When I was 14, I started using drugs and um, became very promiscuous at that age. When I graduated from high school, I really didn't have any plans for myself. Nobody really expected much of me. And so my, a friend of mine was going to get a job in a strip club. And I thought that was crazy. But I just decided to go with her one night. And um, the manager looked at us and he said, you could make a lot of money here. And I was in. After a while, I started to um, really lose myself. Because people were asking things of me and expecting things of me. That went on for several months. Then one night, I went to go see The Lion King in the theater with some friends of mine. And um, there's a part where um, Simba's dad is up in the clouds. And he looks down and says to Simba, remember who you are. And in that moment, I felt God shatter into my hardened heart and just overwhelm me with his love and he was saying to me remember who I created you to be in the Bible it says um, you shall hear my voice 
you'll know it's me. And I knew there's no one else. And um, I never knew God loved me so much and loved every part of me. And he loved me in that moment when I was on drugs, working as a stripper in a strip club. So soon after that, I quit working in the strip club. And I... It's a great story. Um, let me cut it off there for time's sake. But that's such a beautiful picture, right, of God's unconditional love for us in the midst of our sin. Romans 5.8 tells us, while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. We don't clean ourselves up for God. God loves us desperately just the way we are. It's unconditional. Unconditional love. In a, in a, in a moment after the sermon, we're going we're to sing the song, Reckless Love. And you may be familiar with the words, but, but some people don't like, oh, God's, God's not reckless. But you know what? God's love really is reckless. It doesn't make sense. God loves us in the midst of our dirtiness and our shame and our sin, and he loves us to himself. That's a beautiful thing. God's love is, is also total and complete. And here's, here's what I mean by that. We're all kind of like empty glasses, right? And we walk through life and we, we look to, to fill ourselves with different things. Actually, let me borrow Pastor Shane. Pastor Shane, come on up here. I just need someone to make fun of. All right. He seems like a good, a good target, right? Let's give it up for Pastor Shane. All right, good job. And, and uh, you know, thanks. And last week, last week, Pastor Shane, um, he, he, he uh, confessed a couple of sins to us, right? If you were here, maybe you weren't here, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring the sins back up just in case you missed it. Um, the first thing that Pastor Shane confessed is he, he said he tries to fill himself with, with being liked by people. He lo- wants, he's desperate to be liked by people. Even if you don't like him, he wants you to like, even if, he, excuse me, even if he, he doesn't like you, he wants you to like him still. All right, so we're going to represent that with blue. And so Pastor Shane pours his blue in, but it, it doesn't fill him up. And then he also confessed something else. He confessed that he stole Doritos during the hurricane. I don't know if you picked up on that or not. Stole them out of some other poor soul's cart. So, you know, Pastor Shane tries to fill himself with junk food to make him feel better about himself, right? (laughs) And, um, you know, he tries to be a a good husband to Amber, but she told me he's not very good. So he, he tries to, I'm just teasing, he's a great husband. Not as good as Amber deserves, but he's pretty good. <laughs> all right, and, he, and, and so he tries to fill himself with that, and then, and then, as you guys know, all of us pastors get into it for the money, right? And so he tries to fill his tank with financial security. That's why it's green, right? And it's still, no matter how hard we tried, we cannot fill ourselves up. Thanks. Good job. Oh, all right. <laughs> and yeah, there we go. And no matter how hard we try, we, we, we just can't fill ourselves up. But God's love for us is total. God's love, when we, when we accept it, when we embrace it, it fills us all the way up. It's complete. And the reality is, when we, when we talk about love is why we're here, we have to kind of get to the question of, of why do we exist, right? What is our purpose? 
And the reality is that God created you and designed you to have a relationship with him. That's why you're here on earth, to have a relationship with God, to bring him glory. And so sort of the first part of that is that we, oh, excuse me, we need to embrace God's love. And here's what happens. We embrace God's love. So, so we have this vase that represents our life. Okay? And we try to fill it with different things, but none of it really satisfies until we get to the point where we can embrace God's love. And God's love just pours out and it never ends. And it pours out and it pours out and it pours out until it's overflowing in our lives. And as you can see, it takes our dirtiness and it cleans it. It changes us from the inside out. And it's total and it fills us. And when we embrace God's love, when we finally come to the point where we embrace that love in our lives, then we have the ability to share that love with others. And that's what we're here for. That's why we're here. So that despite our best efforts, whatever it might be in our own lives, to fill our life with relationships or success or financial stability or whatever that we try to fill it with, we'll never be successful. But when we fill our life with God's love, it fills us to overflowing. And then we have something to offer the world, not our own dirtiness and mess, but what we have to offer the world is God's love in us. Karl Barth is a famous German theologian, and he wrote uh, something called Church Dogmatics. It was He kind of came together and said, hey, this is all the important theology, and, and this is actually just one book. There's, it's actually like 20 volumes. And so I didn't want to carry them all because it would have been really hard. <laughs> um, but so in this book, Church Dogmatics, he wrote it and it was, it was widely, you know, accepted. Everyone was all excited about this great theological work he had done. And, and so a reporter came to him and said, uh, Carl, um, tell me, with all this vast stuff, what, are, what is maybe the most important thing that you've learned in this? What, is, what can you tell us to take away that is the most significant? And he expected some deep theological statement. And, and Barth said this, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. After years and life worth of work and documents, it came down to a children's song. The most important thing for us to grasp theologically is that God desperately loves us with a personal love for you, with an unconditional love that there's nothing that you can do to earn or deserve or take away, with a total love that will fill you up to overflowing. And our purpose is to embrace that love in our lives. And as we embrace that love in our lives, it changes us. This is actually a real picture. It's not been photoshopped or anything. Um, that's the same child on the, on the left and the right. Left, yeah, yeah, there you go. On the left and the right. And um, they did this experiment. Do you know that if you eat enough carrots, it will turn you orange? That's true. I kind of want to go home and try it. Um, I, I also think it's kind of cruel to do these experiments on your kids. 
But that's what we're doing this morning in Sunday school. No, no, we're not. No, we're not doing that. But the reality of that is a, is a perfect illustration, right? When we fill ourselves with God's love, it changes us. It changes us from the inside out. And as a result, then we have something to offer the world. And so we go, and the first thing we're supposed to do is we're supposed to share God's love with each other. You know, Jesus has this this famous passage, and I bring it up a lot because I think it's so significant, but in John 17, Jesus has this prayer. It's referred to as the high priestly prayer, and it's often thought of as the prayer that Jesus prayed when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. As he's about to give up his life, he prays this prayer. That's the prayer that led to him sweating blood. And in this prayer, the one thing he prays for over and over and over again is that as Christians, we will love one another. He says that's how the world will identify us. That's how people will be attractive to what we have to offer is when we love one another. I think we do a pretty good job of that, Advent. But we can always do better. When we become so overwhelmed with God's love in our life, We can't help but have it pour out of us. In 1 John, it goes as far as to say this. It says, if you can't love your brother and sister who you're with every day, then how can you possibly love God? goes as far as to say, if we can't show love to one another, do we, are we really truly embracing God's love? We learn that. We learn to share the love with one another. It's attractive to the world. There's a painter by the name of Mark, and he was this, this, this kind of famous painter. He, 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 was, he was actually a house painter, and he would paint houses, but he also was known because he would do these fabulous murals. And so he'd go in and he'd, he'd paint your house, you know, just like, uh, I think everyone picks like taupe, right? I don't even know what taupe is, but that's the color that everyone picks, right? And you paint your house a certain color or whatever, and you pick your colors and schemes and coordinate, but he would do all that, but he also do these murals. And so this church heard about his work, and this pastor out in California said, you know, I want to hire him. I have this vision, and I want to do this wall in our fellowship hall, and this is what I want, and I have these ideas. And so he brought Mark in, and Mark looked at the project, and he, he kind of came up with even some his, his own ideas and thoughts, and so they were going to go forward. And he started talking to the pastor, and he said, you know, pastor, I really don't don't think much about Christians or church or especially pastors. <laughs> He was like, oh, that's nice. Well, can I ask you why? And he's like, well, in my life, my experience has been that the Christians I know are not very loving. They don't really show much love, and I think, how can this be a, a real thing that I'd be interested in if, if they don't show love for each other? The pastor was kind of discouraged by that, and he he, he decided he was going to try to show Mark love personally, and he did. They built this friendship, and one day they were chatting, and he said, you know, Mark, Christians are kind of like painters, right? 
everyone thinks they're a painter, right? Everyone thinks they can paint. Not everyone's really very good at it. And even amongst professional painters, right, some are better than others. And even the best of the best painters in the world, right, they're going to make mistakes. And Mark B. began to think about this and realized that that was true. And he was experiencing love from his pastor and the people at his church. And sure enough, he began to become interested in God. And experiencing God's love. How did that happen? Because as Christians, when we're called to share God's love with each other, that becomes contagious. It becomes attractive. And when we don't do that, it's just the opposite. The Bible tells us in Peter that we are the aroma of Christ. To some, we are the smell of death, but to others, we're the sweet fragrance of life. You ever smell rotten fish? How good does that smell? It's horrible, right? You don't want to be anywhere near it. Anyone ever smell fresh baked cookies? Shoot, now I'm hungry. All right. Yeah, it's, it's attractive. You want to be part of it. And that's, that's what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to be so loving that people want what we have. And when we're not loving, the opposite is true. People want nothing to do with it. Finally, we're, we're called to not just share God's love with each other, but we're also called to share God's love with the world. You know, as a church, Advent, you guys do such a great job with this. We have ministries in Haiti, and we're reaching out now to the Bahamas. We've reached out to India. We've ministered to my sister and her family in Uganda, all over the world. The ladies in this church have led the way with the Freedom Challenge and fighting human trafficking all over the world. God's done a great job with this. Let's keep on. Let's become so filled with God's love that as it pours out in us, it can't help but spill out everywhere we go. Because we've embraced God's love so much, it just pours out from us. I'd like to spill it out over the other bowl, but then I'll make a mess. But that's, that's really what God's love is really like. It's so huge, and when we embrace it, it just comes out of us everywhere. Where we live, where we work, where we play, where we go, we share God's love everywhere. And it changes the world. It takes the ugliness that is inside us, left to our own devices, it changes it. And it not only changes the ugliness inside of us, it changes it across the whole world. Remember, church, God loves you personally. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you totally. And he wants you to take a little bit of that love that he has so overwhelmed us with, that reckless love, and he wants us to share it with each other and the world. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for myself, for all of us, for this church, 
is that you would help us to embrace your love. Father God, I want to see Advent embrace your love so well that it changes our own hearts, it changes our church, it changes our community, and it changes the world. Because that's what your love does. You took this tax collector, Zacchaeus, you loved him. So much that the thing that was most important to him, his own money, he gave away to follow you. Father God, I pray that you would fill us with our love, with your love, and that we would share that love with each other and the world. Love is why we're here. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen.